On today's Locked On Senators, it's our good friend, TSN analyst and former NHLer, Dave Poulin. He gets into Ridley Gregg coming up to the NHL, what he thinks the Sens should do at the trade deadline, and a very interesting story about the All-Star game in the 80s. Plus, from one Flyers captain about another, does he think Claude Giroux can reach 1,000 points in his career this season? It's all brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 727 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains, today is Thursday, February 2nd in Pilsy. Do you know who Fred Penner is yet? <laughs> I mean, I'm discovering that. Yeah, apparently, Ross, we missed out on uh, on something from our childhood. But yes, a lot of great little nuggets in our Claire Hanna interview, and uh, Fred Penner is one of them. Great to see that interview doing well. Claire is a bundle of joy. I don't think she has any bad days. Do you? I don't know. Yeah, she, she's she got a lot of energy, and she seems like a very positive person, and that shines through the screen for sure. If you still haven't heard it, you can go check out that interview wherever you get your podcast. Of course, the Senators are on an 11-day break between games. Brady Kachuk is in Florida getting ready for Saturday's NHL All-Star Game and the festivities that will be going on all weekend long. You can follow the show on Twitter at Send Central on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. Pilsy, who better? To bring on at this time than Dave Poulin. We got into the game in uh, Montreal on Tuesday. He was up in the booth calling it for TSN 2 from the Montreal side of things. And some great insight, not only about the current day Senators and what they should do at the deadline, but I always love the old Pooley stories. This guy played on the same Team Canada as uh, as uh, Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux at times. The rendezvous all-star game. So great time to get some old school stories with Pooley. Yeah, absolutely. Pooley's the best. I, I think maybe a, a lot of people um, maybe underrate him or they don't kind of appreciate what he brings to the table as much as they really should because his insight is so good. He's just a genuine person and he has so much experience. Ross, not only as a player, not only as a coach, he coached Na- uh, Notre Dame for a long time, but also in front offices. He was a part of the Leafs front office uh, a while back. So he just has a wealth of knowledge that uh, we love talking to him every single time. Tons of knowledge, tons of experience. And Pilsy, we've noticed on the postcast in the chat as well, we've picked up some Flyers fans along the way wanting to see yep. Claude Giroux succeed. So, of course, they'll have great memories of Poulin being the captain of those Flyers teams back then. And Pooley was actually in a similar situation as Ridley Gregg was because he got to play with his childhood idol in his first NHL game. So, Pelzi, why don't we get to Dave Poulin? Very good 45-minute conversation with Dave Poulin coming up right now on Locked On Senators. But today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. And FanDuel is our new official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
And for a good reason, they're the number one sports book in North America, an official sports book of the NFL. And Ross, there are so many fun things you can do on FanDuel. First off, I love that it's an app that's safe, secure, simple to use right from your phone. You can live bet, money line, puck line, props, totals, over-unders, whatever you like. They got it there. And you even can put together a couple of bets in the same game for same game parlays to pay out big. But if you're new to FanDuel, even better, guys, for our friends down in the States, you can get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. And Ross, the Super Bowl is coming up and I'm so excited for Gronk. Yes, Rob Gronkowski. He's going to be kicking a field goal in the Super Bowl. It's called the Kick of Destiny. We're going to be waiting to hear more about that, but I'm going to be following along with that for sure. And that's all with FanDuel. So football fans, don't miss out. Again, place $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. You know we love our friends at the Glebe Central Pub. You can find them at 779 Bank Street. Pills, you can find them every day at 779 Bank Street, but I hope to see you there on February 17th. The poster is made. The live show is scheduled 4.45 p.m. Eastern on February 17th. Get your shuttle bus tickets now. Don't wait until the last minute. These tickets are going fast, and we need to order more buses. Yes, we've already sold out one bus. The goal is three. Can we sell out three buses and get a convoy going to the CTC? We're not going to stay weeks. We're going to go just for the game and come back, but the convoy will be flying down on the Queen's Way on February 17th. The bus is going to leave at 540. Chris Neal's jersey retirement starts at 7. Still wild that that's how far the rink is from downtown, but we will get there in plenty of time for that. The boots will be on the bus ahead of being on the ground at the CTC. Check them out at 779 Bank Street. Get your tickets at GlebeCentralPub.com. Their online store is right there. February 17th, we will see you at the Glebe Central Pub. Go check them out. Great people, tasty food, cold drinks, and an inclusive atmosphere. It doesn't get any better than that. Go check them out. Glebe Central Pub, 779 Bank Street. And make sure you let them know Locked On Senators sent you. All right, here he is. TSN analyst, former NHLer, it's Dave Poulin. All right, we now welcome on a very good friend of the show. It's Dave Poulin, TSN analyst, former NHLer, and two, maybe three-time All-Star. We'll get into it, but Pooley, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great. A little breather here with the All-Star break and a, and a much welcome one, I think, for everybody in the business. And I've covered a couple of All-Star games, and um, I'm not heading down to Florida for this one. It's a fun weekend to be at. It's a great weekend for the players. Um, there's a lot of factors why it's a great weekend for the players. And it's, it's for the fans in the city that hosts it. I know there's a lot of criticism about the actual event, but think about it as an event and not a game. I mean, that's what it is, right? The days of the games are long past. Um, I played in a couple of them that were actual games where people hit each other and um, and there was low scoring events. Hmm. A couple of funny stories from that as well, which we can get into. But I think it's a, it is a great weekend for the host city. It's a great weekend, all the sponsors and everything. 
And when I'm asked what to do with it, I would put it in the hands of the youngest um, fans at the NHL office and say, what are we going to see next in the game? And that's what we'll do that weekend. Like, don't worry about an actual game. You know, whatever you can come up with that, that sells the game and sells fans and makes it fun and makes it enjoyable. It doesn't embarrass the players in any way, but makes it a really fun weekend. Let's go for that and let's attract new viewers. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, everybody needs to understand it's for the fans, the sponsors, and it's for the people there. So I fully appreciate that. But I think we'll get into the All-Star stuff a little later on because we want to talk about the Ottawa Senators coming on a four-game win streak heading into the break. Uh, Pooley, I want to get your opinion on this. How do the Ottawa Senators players, coaches, how do they keep that momentum going through such a long break? Like, is it easy to stay kind of hungry when you're going on family vacations, you're going to sunny places, then you got to come back in and try to keep that win streak going. What are some things they can do to keep the momentum here? They actually didn't go on break, Brandon. They're playing a game on the Rideau Canal today. Oh, okay, uh, nice. (laughs) They're playing a collection of local all-stars because they didn't want to go anywhere. You're exactly right. I did the game in Montreal on, uh, on Tuesday night, and so I worked that game and saw it firsthand. Great great late win um the bigs were the bigs hard game to play montreal's been playing very well lately and sneakily in the last couple weeks montreal had beaten winnipeg they'd beaten the rangers in new york they'd beaten the leafs those are top teams in the league and and they played a really good game against boston losing as well by a goal and so i think ottawa knew what they're running into and you know hammered them at home five nothing but it really wasn't a five nothing game the numbers were pretty close in that game and they're getting great goaltending from Anton Forsberg, but a big win on, you know, in every respect for Ottawa. Do you want the break? No, but they were a little banged up as well. So you take the break, you keep the momentum. And part of the growth of a team is learning how to handle things like this. You know, you're throwing a 10 day break. I'm sure everybody took gear home with them. They're going to skate in some manner. They're going to, you know, take care of business and but also relax and, and enjoy the reason i like this guys is because i think it bodes really well for the next two and a half months and when you're around the teams and i'm you know i can get down to the locker room and i can be around the teams and be at the morning skates and both mentally and physically breaking the season into segments they were at the end of this one i mean this is coming off of christmas and it's five weeks and it's emotional, and now it's leading up to the trade deadline. There's another little three-week run we'll have before the trade deadline. But I think it's a much welcome rest. And because of the way they schedule it, where every team gets eight or ten days, either before or after the All-Star break, even the guys that are playing in the game, I think it's huge in how they use it. And having a – you know, maybe you would say, okay, well, early in the year they had a four-game winning streak and didn't continue it. So maybe you'd say the way I would spin it, if I were managing them, Brandon, is I would say, this is a welcome break because last time it didn't go well, we're going to handle it differently. We're going to get a break physically. We're going to come roaring back into this. Well, the Sens are undefeated in the Ridley Gregg area. Do you know his dad at all from your time? In the, I know he's been a flyer forever. Just a little bit and more to compete against. He'd have been a Hartford Whaler when I was a Bruin, a young, you know, hotshot first rounder in Hartford and a big time goal scorer in junior. But I don't know him well. I'm enjoying the play of his son very much. Interesting little tweak there where they sent him down to Belleville but aren't playing him in games. Yeah, what do you think? When I was 
Well, when I was asked immediately, Ross, when I was asked, what would you do with him? My first thought was I wouldn't send him back to Belgium. And then I thought, well, you know, you're 20 years old. You've got to at least skate during this time. So maybe this is the best solution of both. It also shows you what they think of Ridley Gregg and in terms of how important he is to them, they're not going to risk him playing in the American League and getting hurt right now. They think he's a big part of it, but this keeps him skating, keeps him fresh. He'll get a couple of days off and then he'll be back to work immediately after the break. So I don't mind it. It's a little, I think, creative in the way you handle a player, a 20-year-old. You know, do you want a 20-year-old jumping on a private plane with the guys and going out for, you know, mm-hmm. eh, maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe it's a better idea to keep him skating and keep him tuned up. I like the way he's fit in. I like the way watching him in exhibition, you're concerned. And I played with a player like him in terms of being a size of him and the tenacity. And that would be in Ronnie Sutter as a 20 year old where he threw himself around everywhere and so hard to sustain it physically. And that's what I was worried about with Ridley Gregg, but I think he's been remarkably controlled during his four games. Looks like he fits right in. He's played a balanced 15-ish minutes. And and guess what? He's rejuvenated a couple of guys in Alex Dabrinkit and, and Claude Giroux. You're allowed to be rejuvenated by young guys, by the way. Um, that's okay. And you're seeing it firsthand in the way he's played with those. He looks like he's pretty comfortable, guys. Yeah, he would have had his first NHL goal on uh, Saturday, but Arbor Jack guy thought, hey, I'm just going to score on my net instead. He was perfectly mm-hmm. set up back door. Before we move off to Habs, because I know you were up in the booth for that game, there's been a lot of discussion, and we know Habs and Sens fans like to go at it with the Arbor Jack guy, Brady Kachuk situation. Brady gives him a good run into the boards. Arbor kind of flips the puck nonchalantly, not like he was going full Alfie in the Stanley Cup finals on him, but... <laughs> Uh, he did give him a little flip towards towards Brady, and Brady gave him a shove. Do you think Brady owes Jack Eye a fight in that situation? Because I think for the Sens, it's better for both of them to be on the ice. No, I don't think he owes him a fight there, and right. I think it's going to be a a battle that we enjoy for the next 10 years. I really do. I've been remarkably impressed with Arbor Jack Eye. I just spoke about Ridley Gregg and controlling the way he plays, and Jack Eye is controlling the way he plays. If I were that good at what he does and that's handling himself, I'd probably be involved more, but he, I think he's getting excellent mentorship uh, from within, from Joel Edmondson and David Savard. And also from Stefan Robita, uh, who's the defense coach there. I think he's getting, you know, he, he's a good player, guys. He's just a flat-out good player. When he came in as a free agent last year in training camp, he stood out in the games. I thought, this kid wasn't even drafted. And I called yeah. Stevie Stalos in Hamilton. And Stevie had traded for him from Kitchener and been able to get him. And he thought of the championship run that he had the Memorial Cup. And he said, Pooley, this kid can play. And, you know, he's been on the power play at times. He's had five or six goals. and But he's comfortable in his stick position. That's a really young group. Some nights there were five rookies in that lineup. And the one that has already separated himself on a Jake Sanderson-like platform is Caden Gooley. And he's hurt right now, but he's he's really good, guys. And that's a defense that Montreal is going to build. They're going to have to choose, actually, which of the five they're going to move forward with. I think they're going to have to choose because you've still got Matheson, you've still got... 
Edmondson, who I could see them moving at the deadline, and Savard, who I think they move next year at the deadline because he has two years left on his deal. That's the way I would. <laughs> my GM hat, just wait, I'll put my GM hat on <laughs> make some decisions here. Um, but I don't think, I think that was well played by both sides, actually. And, you know, Brady, what Brady is not used to having to deal with is someone physically the same size as him. Yeah. And I think they're almost similar. Jack I might be a little heavier. And, and, you know, Brady just flat out doesn't deal with that very often. And that to the way he handles the front of the net physically, nobody can handle him. And all of a sudden he's seen a kid who's not only physically capable of handling him, but younger than him. And, you know, it's not like a man strength 30 year old who's doing it. Yeah, I will say Jack, I was the one picking himself up off the mat there in the corner, but no, the only thing that, that kind of bothered me about it was people calling Brady a coward for not dropping him. It's like, you just gave up a goal to make it three, two, you're up a goal going into the third period. Why are you going to give a depth defenseman on the other side, any sort of momentum going into yeah. the, the corner? This is the guy who fought Shea Weber when he was 20 years old. He's not scared of fighting anybody, but I, I wanted to get that in there as well, but you're right. Yeah. Jack, no, I agree with you, Ross. And I mean, th- there are uh, there were some stats thrown my way that did open my eyes. Not like the Sens' decor is the most mobile beyond Shabbat and Sanderson, but Jack, I would be third in points among Sens' defensemen. So uh, you do have to kind of tip your hat to a guy who was undrafted, no doubt. Pilsy, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ross and I talk about this all the time. We don't like Arbor Jack guy because he plays for the Habs, but if he was on the Sens, we would probably really like him. Oh, yes. <laughs> we got oh, our yes. own think- Hey, Pooley, we got the K-Train, Tyler Clevin coming at, at least in the next couple of years. He's an interesting element. He really is. And, you know, that points back to that, you know, the draft and develop model. And it's not the same for everyone. And with Jake Sanderson coming in, guys, you know, and I still have a lot of contacts, having worked as long as I did in the NCAA ranks. Yeah. And the comparisons I was told to make with Jake Sanderson were two other players who had played two years of college hockey. And that was Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. Now different in terms of their offensive skill set, I would say, but Sanderson defensively guys, is really good. Like he is a top defender in the national league right now. He's 20 years old. He's, he's long. He skates extremely well. Uh, he can get up and go. He can walk along the blue lane. He does so many things well. And the interesting part for me about Clevin is he's a different element. He's a bigger, more physical guy, um, albeit a left shot. I love it if he was a right shot. I think he'd be all a little bit happier. But hey, you know, he's going to get to Belleville. Can... Troy Mann's going to have a bunch of right-handed sticks for him. Eh? In the, in the <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, I played with a couple guys that were left shots who played the right side impeccably well. And it was yep. Brad McCrimmon, the dear departed Brad McCrimmon. And a guy named Ray Bork played the offside pretty well, too, um, and preferred it, absolutely, the having to stick in the middle of the ice and being able to, to pivot in lateral that way. So you know, we'll see what happens. But another good element, and I use that word element in terms of a different skill set than what a lot of the Ottawa defenders are right now. What do you make of the evolution of Eric Brandstrom? Talking about guys who maybe have played better on their offside, but for me, it, it, the strangest thing is a highly touted offensive defenseman has now turned into like a pretty good shutdown defenseman despite being 5'11". What do you make of where he fits in long-term in Ottawa? Just looked at those numbers recently and the two-goal part of it, 
two goals, I believe he had. Oh, no, right? zero. In his career. At least two in goals his in his career. Two in yes. his career, yeah. 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 And they were both mm-hmm. on, on Calgary in the COVID year. One of them was from his own blue line. Yeah. Mystifying to me. Mystifying two goals. Because you looked at him as an offensive player. And I, I don't want to say I had two goals in my first game and then moved on from there, but <laughs> but I did. <laughs> but but because you see him up ice when he's at his best, you see him up ice, and even I think thirty assists in his careers in that range, and it appears just by accident you would have more than that. Yeah, you know, just passing to elite players. You know, I mean, Sanderson's got twenty points this year. Um, maybe 21. And and so I don't know. He's confused me. I knew how highly touted he was coming in and he's still a young guy. It was still, I still always go back to Randy Carlisle, who I worked with, who said 300 games, guys, 300 games before you decide on an NHL defenseman and who he is and what he is and whether he can play or not. So there's still a little leeway there, but it has been a challenge for him. And, and on that, if he were to be a left defenseman, now with Shabbat and Sanderson, you know, where does he fit in? And you've got to have different elements. You can have a guy like that in your defense core. I don't think you can have more than one. And, you know, when they had both he and Mete in the same lineup, that doesn't work for me, just in terms of trying to handle guys in front of the net, handle a Brady Kachuk in front of the net. It is so hard to do. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It, it's, it's still... By not moving forward under defensemen, what it's done is give guys like Brandstrom even more of an opportunity. So at least when you make a decision on him, you're going to have a full body of work. He's had an opportunity. You cannot look at the player and say he hasn't had an opportunity. He's had an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even uh, parts of uh, later seasons when Thomas Shabbat was out, Eric Brandstrom was a top pair defenseman playing on the top power play unit. And Still wasn't able to kind of do what Sens fans uh, had hoped. Uh, I want to get back to Ridley Gregg. I want to ask you about this. Ridley Gregg comes into the NHL, makes his debut on a second line with Alex Dabrinkat and Claude Giroux. No pressure there. That's some two good players to play with. But were you ever in a situation where you were the young guy playing on uh, a line with top guys or the reverse where you were in Claude Giroux's case and you had a young guy play with you. Like what's the dynamic there? Well, Pooley, I just looked it, I just looked it up. You scored two goals in your first game. You scored four minutes into your first game. Daryl Sittler got an assist on it. So I'd imagine okay. he might've yep. been one of those guys. That would have been one of those guys, a guy Definitely. who's a boyhood idol of yours growing yeah, up. Brandon, exactly. <laughs> Who, by the way, in a totally different story for a different day, when you were in high school, you went over and sat on his driveway waiting for them to come back from the Islanders game. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. When they beat the Islanders in the playoffs in 78, literally three buddies of mine, and I were sitting on Daryl Sittler's driveway when the (laughs) team came back to his house. So you played this then with with Ridley playing? Yeah, Sid and I got a good laugh out of that in future years. And the way I broke the story to him after that, that night after the first game when he desisted on my first goal, and because I had joined the team from Europe, guys, I didn't know one single player on that team, right, because I had never been to training camp. So I walk in, like, bag over my shoulder, sticks to the front door of Maple Leaf Gardens, didn't even know there was a back door or player's entrance, and, um, you know, and sit score, assists on my first goal. And so that night – where do you sit on the plane, guys? Like, what you, you get on the plane, you don't know where to sit. Yeah. We're flying home right after the game, 
And so I walked down and there was an aisle seat across from Daryl that was open. I'm like, okay, at least I, I know who that is. I didn't even know who a lot of the guys were. And I sat down across from him and then I, I'm kind of working up my nerve and I'm working up my nerve. And I lean across and said, did you not know we were going to be teammates? <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, no, well, what do you mean? So I told him the story about five years before that when I was in high school. That's I, awesome. And I came in when I was sitting on his front lawn. He laughed. He tells that story all the time. <laughs> love it. I so love yes, it. I do know what it's like, Brandon, that, to okay. play with to play with, you know, someone that you'd idolized growing up. And then on the other side of it, I had young guys that I played with in later years. Stephen Hines would have been one in Boston when he came back from the Olympics in ninety-two. I had him on my line. Steve Conwalchuk, I roomed with in Washington. I think he was 19 years old at the time, you know, and I would have been 36. So, um, yeah, both sides of it I've been on and very respectful of both sides of it. But it's, you know, what Clojure has done for the team as a whole this year and then sort of a new burst of energy with Ridley Gregg and not that, you know, there was a little flattening of his game, I think, just because he's played so well. But boy, oh boy, and then you rip off seven points in three games and you're the player of the week playing with a 20-year-old centerman who, you know, was five years old when you broke into the league or whatever it was, four years old when you broke into the league. Um, I think it refreshes guys. I do. Ridley Gregg walk into the locker room. And, and by the way, you're always welcome when you can help. And when you join a team halfway through a year or late in the year, and the recognition is there from the veterans that you can help them. There's an acceptance that's immediate. It's different from training camp when everyone's competing for jobs and, you know, everyone's trying to hammer through things. Um, but there's a realization he comes in and, and he's filling a spot. It lets so many things happen. It lets Shane Pinto bump down. Uh, Matthew Joseph and Tyler Mott come back. It just rearranges your lineup. You know, you're bringing three or four different guys in the lineup and lets you restructure what the lines were. And a little shout out to to the coaching staff here because I know they've taken a lot of heat through various things over the course of the year, but rearranging the lines and sort of redistributing Drake Batson down was significant at the start of this four game run. And when Ridley Gray came in, they they rebalanced the lines and, and you know they could have said, "Oh, Brady's having a great year." and and Claude's having a great year, so we're not going to change things. But they did, and they were willing to redistribute. When you get players of that caliber, it's easier to do. It's easier to say, you know, can Giroux figure out to bring out and Greg? Of course he can, you know, better players. But but not everybody fits with everybody. So the willingness to try something different, I think the coaching staff should be recognized for that. We can't have a Philadelphia Flyers captain on without discussing another. Claude Giroux, I had the take going into the season that he was going to hit 1,000 points this year for his career. He needed 77. Now there's fifty, ga- 50 sorry, 32 games left, and he's 29 points away. Does he get there this year, Pooley? 29 points in the next 32 games. Yes. Yes! There we go. Yep. Does he get there? scoring his career high number in goals. Whoa, he's at 20 right now. The career high is 34. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ah. I say he hits 30. That's as far as I'm willing to go on that one. The amazing thing is with 300 plus goals, he's only hit 30 once in his career. Yeah. yeah That's it is amazing. Crazy. And he's put up That's massive amazing. points. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. But amazing to me 
um, that he's only had one 30 goal year. And so maybe rethinking a little bit of his game here and his role and visualizing himself more as a shooter than the past first guy he's always been in his career. I, I love watching him play. I didn't appreciate him enough when he was in Philly. Like you heard about him. Same. He good. hundred point seasons, but like he gives me Alfie vibes. Like he's that competitive in the corner guy who can control a line from the wing, which you just don't see as often. Watch his defensive stick coming back to the neutral zone. Yep. Very underappreciated. And his ability to pick off passes and well, his willingness. That's how he scored that goal in Toronto, time. that sixth goal. Exactly. His great play in the neutral zone. And then he's all alone. Like, not only does he have the defensive awareness to do that in the neutral zone, but then he pulls off one of the most creative offensive moves and goes bar down on the goalie to finish it off. Like, just incredible. Well, pretty good. Yeah. No, not bad. Well, the one that jumps out to me, well, jumps, literally, the one against Washington, where it's a breakout pass, and he goes full shortstop, just full full dive on the ice, stops the puck, gets up, yes. puts it on Timmy's stick, and he goes in and buries. Uh, have you have you uh, thought that Tim Stutzel's even exceeded expectations now? Because what this guy's doing, I know you saw him go for four points on Tuesday night. Like This guy, at, at the drop of a dime, can just light up the scoreboard. The oldest adage when somebody gets hurt in sport is what an opportunity is for somebody else. And you don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to play out. It's more coach speak than it is or player speak who's ruining the fact that they've lost somebody. But when Josh Norris went out and the move to center for Tim Stutzla, now we're assuming because it's looked so good that it would have happened at some point, but we don't know when. And it may not have accelerated the excellence that we're seeing at the age we're seeing it at as quickly he, he's really good guys flat out he's really good and he's explosive he's dynamic he's confident but i think you're seeing humble's not the right word um you're seeing a little more roundedness to his game coming in where he is more than willing and you love a centerman who is balanced between shoot first and pass first Pinto is, he's not shy at all to shoot the puck. Ridley Gregg, you can't have eight shots in your first NHL game and be shy to shoot the puck. <laughs> yeah. But most often when you're in the middle, you think of yourself more as a distributor. And I played with two guys a large part of my career in Philadelphia with Brian Prop and Tim Kerr. I never considered myself a goal scorer, ever. I, it was, if I was passing, Timmy, first of all, commanded the puck. And the best players command it. When you're out there, you think you're supposed to give it to them. Brian Prop demanded it. <laughs> he was open every second I ever had the puck in my life. Like, I don't ever remember him not coming back to the bench and telling me, you know, I was open there. Yeah. Well, you were on the ice. So when you're on the ice, you tell me you're open anyway. So I knew you were on the ice. So I knew you were open. But the balance between those two things is, I think, where Stutzel's arrived at at a very early age. And think of the game-winning goal in Montreal. That puck wasn't on his stick for a split second before it was on Brady's stick. Mm -hmm. And that's a left shot passing to the left wing. And so you just think about that and you think about the ability to do that and the willingness to do that. And he's creative. He's smart. He can shoot the puck. The upside of Timmy Stutzla is going to be fun to watch, guys. Hope you're enjoying our chat with Pooley. We'll get right back to it. But first, a word from our friends at Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have you tried the Built Bar Puffs yet? It's a protein-infused marshmallow. And guess what? New flavor alert. Ready? 
It's delicious. It's indulgent. It's cookie dough. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to this new flavor. Chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. And of course, 100% real chocolate on the outside. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy. Only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein within them. So run. Don't walk to built.com and snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat whether you're packing your kids lunch on the way to school or if you are out and about all day. We know you live a busy life. Don't sacrifice your nutrition with your busy lifestyle. Just like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puffs. We love how they're 100% covered in chocolate. That means they're healthy, but they're also tasty. What's great about built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love it. So check it out. BuiltBar.com. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. They know you'll love it. They know you'll be back. So check them out. LOCKEDON15. 15% off your next order at Built.com. All right. Now back to our interview with Dave Poulin. Now, we teased it at the start of this interview, and I want to get to it because it's uh, really interesting to me. Your all-star experiences, and Ross said you're in two all-star games, technically three. What's the story there? What's the story with the rendezvous all-star experience in the 80s? The two regular ones were 86 and 88. So 86 was my first one in Hartford. And guys, the first time you hear you're going to be an NHL all-star, like, I'm an undrafted free agent and, you know, come in and, and things go so well in Philadelphia right out of the gate. And I think I was there as much because I was the captain of one of the best teams in the league. And I think it was a little nod to, you know, I had good numbers early in my career. And, and, but I think that the, the, all, the first all-star recognition came from being the captain of a team that had been in the Stanley cup finals, the youngest team in pro sports and that's pretty cool. And, yeah. you know, if I were going to say, pick a Boston Bruin this year, that's an NHL all-star. Well, everybody would say, well, it's got to be Pasternak. The captain of that team <laughs> is a guy that could go to the all-star game every year for me in Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Like, who's the captain of that team that's one of the best teams in recent history in, in the NHL? And so that was my first year. And Brandon, to... to First of all, to be named, and then and then the build-up to it. You walk in that locker room for the first time, you see your jerseys hanging there, and no one else was number 20 that was more senior than me, so I got to wear my own number. Nice. And you're looking at your number and your name on it in your stall with the NHL plaque, and, and then you kind of take a quick look around at the other jerseys, and you're like, Brian Trotche, Mike Bossy, Larry Robinson, Peter Stasny, you know, Matt's Naslin, Raymond Bork. And you're like, are you kidding me right now? Like, it's crazy. And so there's so much pride involved. And and that was one of the last games where it was a game. And Wendell Clark was still a member of the Western Conference back then with Toronto as a rookie. In the first period, he ran Mario, like ran him. And as teammates didn't know what to do because you don't like it's going to be a fight in an all-star game or you know and and but that's the type of game it was and then i played in 88 in st louis and that was the 6-5 game i think mario had five or six points matt snazlin had five or six points 
playing together and you were thinking, what if those two ever played together? Those are the types of things in all-star games that are pretty cool to watch. But in 87, there was no NHL all-star game. They tried to do something different. And they picked one team, any nationality from the NHL and played two games against the Russian Red Army team during the Quebec Winter Carnival. So the games were Wednesday and Friday, and it was a really festive week. I mean, there were, you know, concerts, and and so it was a little bit political, um, setting up the Canada Cup the following summer. Yeah. But that weekend, guys, there's no way I'm making that team. Like, I'd been an all-star, but they're going to pick one team from the NHL. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of the best 20 players in the NHL. And so we had planned, my twins had been born the previous October, and they had some long health issues and so we we're planning the christening for that weekend of course we were we had a full week or 10 days off and then all of a sudden i get word that i'm gonna make this team and i'm like are you kidding me got 100 people coming to philadelphia for a christening oh no and how is this gonna work and ed snyder one of the greatest owners in the history of pro sports in philadelphia stepped in and said uh don't worry about it you've got my plane to fly up to Quebec after the christening. And by the way, where's my invitation? And wow. <laughs> he and his wife, Martha pulled up in front of the house nice. and, yep, and joined us for the christening of my twins. And so wow. pretty cool on all fronts. And then, and then afterwards I jetted up to Quebec city the next morning on Mr. Snyder's plane and um, joined that team. And a couple of cool things that night, there were so many events at the Coliseum that we couldn't skate at, at the Coliseum. And so that night, we had a, our first practice as a group. Guys had flown in Monday because a lot of guys had – maybe guys had played Saturday. And, and that was sort of the first – the prelude to what's happening right now with a full 10 days off for the entire NHL. And so um, we had to practice at a different rink. It was a snowstorm. And but we dressed at the Coliseum. So here's one of the great teams ever put together. Gretz, Mario, Raymond Borg, Paul Kov, everybody stick over the shoulder, skates on the stick, snowing out, traipsing nice. through the snow to go to the practice. It was very cool. Yeah. So during practice, they called together three of us at the start of practice. And it was Kevin Deneen, myself, and Dale Howarchuk. Okay. And they said, okay, Dave, we're going to move you to the left wing. And you and Kevin, your responsibilities are pretty clear. You're playing against Krutov, Larionov, and Makarov. Uh, Fatisov and, uh, and Kasatanov, one of the greatest five groups of players ever put together. Yeah. At that point, guys, I think they had been together for 16 years as a line. And they were 12. If they were 28 at that point, they were 12 when they were put together. Lariana was 10. And you talk about amazing. Yeah. And you're getting and moved then, to the wing. <laughs> I'm getting moved to the wing. Yeah. But we're both kind of looking at Howard Chuck and saying, okay, next part of the story. And they said, and if we ever do get the puck away from them, uh, we're going to put the best possession guy in the NHL, Dale Howard Chuck with you guys, because you've got to figure out a way to keep the puck. And, you know, I knew how good Dale Howard Chuck was. I didn't know how good Dale Howard Chuck was guys. He was so amazing through that stretch. And the first game, we scored two of the four goals. And, and, you know, and we shut down that line. And every time we got the puck, we would, Kevin and I would just look for, 
for Dale Howard. I was like, okay, here you go, Dale. And just, it was an interesting, it's interesting that that much thought went into a mid-season all-star event. Yeah. That there were actually people thinking about how to put this team together. Now, any nationality, don't forget we had Gretz and Curry. Yeah. You know, which crazy. is rare to have players like that. And, and it was, a, it was an interesting look at the leadership because you had Nessie and Gretz in the same locker room. So I get to watch that yep. and see the dynamics of that. And, and, you know, the captains in the locker room sitting beside Dougie Wilson thinking, okay, this is pretty cool too. <laughs> and it was a really, really fun event. And we ended up splitting the series. We won Wednesday and they won on Friday. And, uh, and it was a coming out party for Valerie Kaminsky with a hat trick on Friday night in that second game. And, and I can remember in the, in the second game, um, Dougie Wilson had kind of warned me. He said, you've never been in a locker room with Bessie and Gretzky, have you? I said, no. He said, just watch the dynamics. And, and we were down in the first period. And after the first intermission, Dougie's elbowing me. He said, watch this. And so Gretz came in. He went right to Gretz, right up to his face in the locker room. He said, need a little magic here, Gretz. Need a little magic. And he was getting closer to him. And we were all moving back like, well, <laughs> Yeah, this could get heated, yeah. And Gretz went out in the second period and was unbelievable. I think he had three assists. And you were watching the dynamics of two of the great players to ever play the game and the balance of what happened. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. And I mean, that's that's a big part of the All-Star game, too. I mentioned it's for the fans and sponsors and stuff. But a guy like Brady Kachuk going, you're going to get to be in the locker room with a, a lot of uh, really good players. And there, it's just about having fun now these days. It's not so much about the competitiveness of the game. What are some of the things that uh, you like that the NHL is trying to do with the All-Star game here? Because the thing I'll always kind of tip my hat to is they're trying different things. I, I think that's what needs to be recognized here. Don't think about it as a game. Think about it yeah. as showing the skills. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're trying to find ways to do. And that's where it goes to youth. And, you know, you will see these little film clips, guys, of eight-year-olds and six-year-olds, you know, with wraparounds and lacrosse-style goals yep. and some of the things they can do. And that's our audience. That's our next group of players. So think of ways to make it creative. And a little flashback to 86, they, they approached – that 86 group, both sides of the All-Star game, and said, we're going to try something called a skills competition. <laughs> and Brian Chachi brought it up with our group, and the guy said, nope. What? Wow. <laughs> no, we're not we're not doing a skills competition at an All-Star game. We're not. That was in 86, so look at how far it's come and some of the yeah. things they try now, and and they're open to now. So it is, it's for the local city. It's for the future of the game. Uh, be as creative as you want to be with it. It's not a game per se. It's simply not. Don't look at it as a game. Look at it as a whole bunch of individual skill sets. Sometimes there are three players on the ice. Sometimes there's not. And just take how skilled these players are and take that from it. It's for to me, it's for the next generation, Brandon. It just is. It's not for it's not for old school hockey guys. But man And, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, hundred percent. Sponsors, kids, that's what it's all about. In twenty twelve though, when it was in Ottawa, I had the opportunity to go to the the fantasy draft that they did where they all picked players and it was like right. a the atmosphere. It was at the casino. Like I want to at least bring back that. I thought that was kind of fun, but you're yeah, right. That, that, well, things like that may be revisited, and, you know, and I'd be open to anything, but I would put a team together of my youngest, most creative people, and they might not be from the creative department. They might be there might be a couple of you know, guys from the finance department in there, but anybody that's that's creative and the way they think about the game and they've got ideas for the All-Star Weekend, bring them forward. I don't think you could ever recreate what we did in 87 with that rendezvous experience. 
but it was a cool event. I mean, it was a really cool event. Yeah, a lot of people forget that Dave Pullen was tied for fourth in scoring in that event behind only Wayne Gretzky, Valerie Kamensky, Kumoto, Kumutov, and a guy named Mario Lemieux. I can pronounce that one right. I'll tell you that one for free. Uh, Bully, second half of the season, the unofficial second half. We know guys are past 41 games. Who's your cup final right now? Who who are you think is leading the way in the East and West? I have to do this at the start of the year. I don't think we've done it for mid-season yet at TSN, but I have to do it at the start of the season. Yeah, exclusive. Wow, it's okay. So you're putting me on the spot here, and I can answer this. Uh, the Sens are on a four-game win streak, too. Just so you know. Yeah, keep it in mind. Yeah, keep that in mind. Going, going <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning in the East, guys. Oh. Uh, going Tampa <laughs> yeah, Bay back fair. to the finals for the fourth straight time, and maybe finding a way to do it again. Um, I think the West is wide open, man. Yeah. I think the West is wide open. I really do. You know, the, the Mark Stone. News really hurts Vegas. He's such yeah. a glue guy. He's a glue guy. He makes everybody nice better every time he's on the ice. Yep. So they'll miss him. I don't know that they have the goaltending. Um, maybe Winnipeg is, is, is a sleeper. I, we keep waiting for Colorado to get healthy. And I think they can. But don't forget, they don't have the same goaltender that won the Cup last year. They're different in that. And that could factor in. I don't, I don't count Colorado out yet. I still get to see whether they're going to be healthy. Health is such a factor. And maybe there's a dark horse that does come in there, and maybe that dark horse is a very well-coached Dallas Stars team. True. Um, maybe the Winnipeg Jets sneak in there. And, you know, they've had – I like their top six is as good as any top six in the league, guys. It just is. And they've got a goaltender that can win. And a goaltender, and I know other teams have tandems, whatever that may be. They've got a goaltender that that can win the cup. And I just think Hellbuck. that first that first spot in the central is going to be so crucial. I know it's a one point battle right now between Dallas and, and Winnipeg, but you got to think Colorado is going to make their move. I mean, seven wins, you now, do. and they're climbing a little you bit. Do. But I don't think they're going to have it in them to get up to to one and two. They're they're just too but far. The other far. thing, Ross, is is if they do get just in the playoffs. They got some guys with low mileage right. this year, man. Landeskog hasn't played. Yeah. And so, you know, you're going to inject guys back into the lineup with low mileage. I always feared teams with low mileage guys, you know. And, and then true. the other thing with the teams we're talking about is the pedigree of winning is there. Um, Boston's a funny story, guys, because I wrote an article for the Star last week. And when I started to pen it, they had five losses. And so you're comparing them to teams – you know, that the greatest teams of all time, Montreal with eight losses in 76, 77, and in that stretch, and, you know, single-digit losses. And so I said to my editor, I said, you know, I'm, I'm apparently I'm still a pretty good defensive player because I was able to take the Boston Bruins off the rails just by writing an article about them, and they lost three games in a row. So, <laughs> so I've still got it. I haven't lost it. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Pills, you got a last one for Pooley? Uh, last one for me is uh, the Senators are in such a weird spot. We call it the mushy middle. They're not terrible enough to be tanking yet. They're not exactly cup contenders either. What do you do if you're Pierre Dorian going into this trade deadline, which is coming up pretty quickly here, Pooley? You push like you would push um, to make your team better. And I'll give you an example of that. 
um, you know, last year at the trade deadline, the Boston Bruins made a significant trade for a defenseman, significant. And it took a full year to carry its value, and that's Hampus Lindholm. And they gave up assets, and they, you know, so I think you're trying to make this team better for the long run, and you're still trying to look for deals, and that's a trade. That's not a free agent. Now, he was a potentially unrestricted free agent, and, you know, you were able to to ink him to a long-term deal. That's part of what I would be talking about. But I'd be looking to make my hockey club better in exactly that fashion. And if that deal happens before the trade deadline, it may not affect the rest of this year in the manner you want it to, to make the playoffs, but it's a long-term situation. And I think you're still trying to add that type of player to this defense core. And you're pushing. You're, you're not in any way thinking about Connor Bedard at this point. No. You're thinking about playing and winning. And you're thinking about the last month the season going in every single night thinking we've still got a shot at this and you know all of a sudden now it's six points but you don't even look at that right now you look at look let's just win our games yep. we've done this before we've won four games in a row and and haven't come out of it well let's just win our games let's let's chip away break the season into little segments the next segment is now to the trade deadline there's your that's your natural segment it's three weeks and so go out and play three great weeks of hockey let your management team worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about that. Um, and then maybe in the in the second half uh, of that, after the trade deadline, you might w- work to get some young kids in that bottom six. You might get a Sokolov up here. You might get, you know, somebody else up here who's had a cup of coffee and say, you know, how much can they help and contribute? A little bit more of the young defenseman through that second half, but do it in the context of winning just as you do with Jacob Bernard Docker, do it in the context of, of winning the game. So I, I think you can do both. I think you can compete hard and still build towards the future, just as the type of deal that I mentioned. I like that, Pooley. Final question for me, then. We appreciate your time. Always great insight and, and great to catch up with you once again. But when it comes to that, and you're moving in a direction of a little bit of youth, and to see what you have, especially JBD, Lassie Thompson, these guys are, have been drafted four or five years now. It's like, what are you at the NHL level? Does it send the wrong message if you sell off these pending free agents? Like if you're able to get a late round pick for a Nick Holden, a Travis Hamanick, an Austin Watts, and a Tyler Mott, like does that send the wrong message to the guys who are in it long term that, hey, like we're tearing this down again somewhat? Like I, I want to grow with these players. Or is it the right move for a long term perspective because you're giving these opportunities to guys who could be more valuable in those roles going forward? I believe it's the right move. I, I do. If you get an opportunity to strengthen, and un- unless you know they're going to be a part of the future as well, you still look at some of the names you mentioned and still say they could be a part of the third or fourth lines next year. They could be a part of the sixth pairing, fifth, fifth or sixth defenseman, or seventh defenseman. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were to push one of the names you talk about a D to a seven role next year, Buddy played a valuable mentorship role. You know, you can plug him into shorthanded situations. You know, like a Nick Holden type of player where you know, is that a perfect seven and you want to be a part of the organization and you don't believe the value he brings back this year will outweigh that. And, you know, because there are such things as perfect sevens and eights too in a, in a higher caliber team. There just are. The only problem is the guys. sometimes the sense of had multiple, like when they moved out to uh, Branson, Coburn and Josh Brown, and they got two sixth and a, and a conditional seventh for them at the deadline. 
Right, but now look at some of the picks that they've had, and you know, and look at a Cole Reinhardt, and, yeah. and say, okay, well, you know what, you you may have landed somebody there. So, you know, you 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 can't dismiss those picks. You've got to be part of it, but you can also you you also get into a frame where you can't have too many picks, guys. <clears throat> if you have picks of multiple twelve or thirteen draft picks and com- combined, you're going to run out of space. And in terms of protecting guys on waivers and all those different types of things and just opportunity. And so you've always got to stagger that. There can be, a, there can be something as too many draft picks and because you're just hedging your bets, essentially, um, you know, worry about the ones that you're drafting and, and developing those ones. I love that you ended off with that because Pilsy and I have been preaching, Hey, at some point you got to make a quantity for quality type trade and get some, value back for all of these draft picks that you've accumulated and that's where good drafting comes in right because then these players have more value as prospects and and people than they did as just a oh we'll select somebody in in whatever round but hey we always appreciate you Pooley. make sure everyone checks out not only your great work on tsn as an analyst we're still waiting and you got a couple sends games coming up right i do i've got a couple coming up uh, maybe three or four in the latter part of this year and uh, and I, I do I will have some sense panels as well. Awesome. Besides color, I'll have some of those spiced in there as well. And uh, I always enjoy working with that group. That's a different team, you know. It's a, uh, in terms of on and off the ice, it's a different team. And uh, <laughs> you know, I've I've got some great teammates that I work with, producers and directors, and that Ottawa group's a really fun group to work with. That's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to that. And make sure everyone, as Pooley mentioned, he writes in the Toronto Star every week. And as you can tell from his background, an avid reader as well. Pooley, really appreciate your time, brother. We'll do it again down the road. Have a great day, guys. Another great show in the books. Thank you to Dave Poulin for joining us. We can't let it be so long since the next time we have Dave Poulin on the show. But enjoy the next 24 hours. Still no sense hockey, but every 24 hours is a day closer. We do have some great topics lined up for next week. I tweeted out today at Send Central. The wild card standing, just for fun. I just tweeted it out, Billsy. Don't blame me. Just, yep. just facts. And? There's six points out, okay? There's teams in between. There's six points out. And somebody showed me, I think it was our good friend Rav, the murderer's row that's coming it's in. tough. Back. Yeah. Four back-to-backs in February. Oh, they're going to come fast and furious. So enjoy this break on a high while you can because reality might come crashing in sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. But Ross... There is Belleville Senators hockey going on as it is a big game up against the Rochester Americans tonight. And I believe, yeah, they're doing 80s retro night. I mean, that's uh, fitting for Pooley on our pod talking about playing through the 80s. So um, I'm probably going to watch this game, Ross, as there's no Sens game, no NHL hockey. So I'll probably tune in, see how the boys down in Belleville are doing tonight. We will get your take on that game tomorrow. Mark Mathot also going to join us. We'll get his thoughts. The last time we had him on, he was cautiously optimistic. And the roller coaster has gone all the way down and all the way up since then. So we'll see where Meth's at 
with the team. We'll also see what's bugging him right now. We'll try to get under his skin a little bit. We always know that's fun. But again, thank you very much, not only to Dave Poulin, but Claire Hanna yesterday. We really appreciate everyone for giving us their time and hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, let us know in the comments if there's anyone else you particularly would like to hear. I know our good friend Hot Lunch wants Parker Kelly, his homeboy on the show, I've reached out to the Sens, but we also know the players are on vacation. So it's not going to happen soon, but we'd love to have Parker Kelly, especially after that great story that Claire Hanna told about yep. him yesterday. So lots of great content coming up here. The Sens, again, 10 days now until they host the Edmonton Oilers. Pillsy, last point there. We'll get into the, the schedule and everything coming up. Dude, the Islanders play four games by the time the Sens play next Saturday. Is their bye week or whatever is before. Dude, they're going to be at 58. They're going to have eight more games played than Ottawa. Eight? Eight. <laughs> they're wow. already at 53. Well, sorry, because Ottawa actually plays in the afternoon and they play. So seven. Seven That's will be crazy. That you love means- having games in hand, though. You, you love having those games in hand. It gives you a glimmer of hope. Yes, hope is eternal. All right, for today we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. Get your tickets to the February 17th live show. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.